0: Welcome to the monthly 3Edge View from the Edge for February 2024. I'm Fritz Foltz, the Chief Investment Strategist here at 3Edge, and joining me here once again today is Eric Beagleisen, Director of Investment Research and Deputy Chief Investment Officer here at 3Edge Asset Management. And as we do each month, Eric and I will provide our firm's most recent outlook for the global capital markets, which is based on our proprietary model of the markets. Before we get to that, take a brief look back at the activity in the markets thus far in 2024. And thus far this year, the U.S. economy continues to show signs of strength. The labor market remains resilient. Unemployment has been actually below 4% since December of 2021. And inflation continues to decelerate. All of which means that in terms of Fed watching on Wall Street, it now appears as though the Fed will not begin to cut short-term interest rates Until perhaps the middle of the year. In fact, in his remarks after the latest FOMC meeting, Fed Chair Powell stated that more evidence was needed to prove that inflation had been tamed before interest rate cuts would be considered. Meanwhile, the yield on the two year US Treasury note has risen to around 4.5%. So, with that backdrop, let me bring Eric into the conversation and let's take a look at what the model may be indicating. And let's begin, Eric, with our asset class matrix.
1: Great. Thanks, Fritz. Uh, we see just two notable changes here to our outlook. Um, some will be surprised to see the first, which is that the U.S. has moved up to the positive one spot with no doubt been uh, talking about how overvalued U.S. equity markets are for as, as long as I can remember. Um, so that, we, that may shock some, um, but we will, we'll talk about why that, that outlook has moved up and, and what we're seeing there. The other notable item there is China slash EM moving down to the negative one spot. We've been much more optimistic on, on China in, in the, the, the past couple of months, and, and that outlook has now shifted more negatively.
0: All right. So let's dig in deeper. Let's look at the major equity asset classes, and let's start with that change in the US outlook. Yeah,
1: so the model research is indicating that, you know, even though they remain significantly overvalued, U.S. equities could continue to climb from here. And it's really being supported by positive investor psychology and momentum, right, which shouldn't come as a shock to to folks watching the S&P as of this morning uh, ticking up over 5,000. You know, historically, some of the sharpest increases in equities occur at the beginning and then, of course, at the end of bull market runs. So, you know, short term optimistic, but with a healthy dose of caution. You know, it's worth noting that we've accommodated uh, through exhaustive testing this notion of even allowing U.S. equities to have a positive outlook like this, despite the extreme levels of overvaluation they've been exhibiting for some time now. You know, the answer is that by evaluating market cycles over the last 150 years, we were, in fact, able to find pockets of opportunity with... You know, a margin of safety in certain environments, like today, when markets were as overvalued as they are now. So nothing's perfect, and history doesn't repeat. We know, but does often rhyme. So we feel comfortable having performed this analysis to cautiously tiptoe here.
0: Very good. All right, then let's go around the world here. Let's start with uh, Japan. They had a strong year last year and continuing to move higher here in twenty four. So what is the model indicating?
1: Yeah, uh, Japanese equities outperformed the other three of the four major equity asset classes that we model in January, up around three uh, percent on a hedged basis, up around ten percent as the yen continues on its weakening trend, shorter term here, heading back towards that one fifty to the dollar level, and the Nikkei two twenty five, a popular Japanese equity uh, index, is just a stone's throw away from its December nineteen eighty nine peak. Now, you know, all that said, you know our current outlook has turned less favorable. Uh, based on you know the measure of the rate of change of the Japanese yield curve, which has slowed its recent steepening from when the BOJ relaxed the ten-year cap, uh, and so we think that that could weigh on Japanese equity markets uh, a bit. All that said, we do continue to find Japanese small-cap value equities to be a bit more undervalued and potentially attractive. And should the yen top out at around 150 and then begin strengthening again, that could be attractive to these smaller-cap firms relying more on domestic demand than overseas.
0: How close is Japanese equity market to that 89 level, do you know, even with orders of magnitude?
1: It's really just a a percent or two, away. real close. I think the the peak was, uh, the index level was 38,915 and we're at 36,897, so
0: real, real close. That is astounding, right? Like how long have people had the conversation that it, you know, how long it's taken it to get back? So that's really astounding. Anyway, moving on, let's look at Europe. Um, definitely they've struggled here in 2024. So what is the model research uh, pointing out in terms of European equity market?
1: Yeah, European equities did struggle in the first month of the year, down around 4% intra month and then, and then managing to finish the month slightly positive. But the region continues to face you know, just mounting or building signs of economic weakness across the, the Eurozone collectively. And our overall outlook for the region just therefore remains negative. And it's largely based on the, sh- the current shape of the yield curve as we calculate it. Um, which is just indicating a, a potential for uh, you know economic slowdown and, and even a potential recession in Europe.
0: All right. Uh, how about China and the emerging markets? What is our model research indicating there? We know they've shifted now from less favorable, somewhat less favorable this month. So what are we seeing there?
1: Yeah, with well, China is particularly undervalued uh, on an absolute basis and relative to the other major equity mar- markets we model. So that's a that's a positive and it's fallen so much since it's high in February of 2021. Um, also another positive, one could view it as being particularly beaten up and now ripe for, for a rebound. That all said, it does continue to decline in value as the property sector shows no signs of turning around with empty buildings and such and a, just a generally growing debt pile across the country um, in municipalities that's unlikely to be serviceable. And although the Chinese government has now taken steps to support the economy, um, it's, you know, starting earlier with some ticky-tack measures and now more substantive by uh, purchasing ETFs and, and whatnot, the stock market, you know, through this variety of these stimulus programs and market interventions, it, it remains to be seen whether these efforts will satisfy investors, boost Chinese equities, and reverse the massive outflows that the region is seeing. And then to compound things, you know, the recent reports of the robust U.S. labor market and strong GDP growth you know, appear to make it that the Fed may leave short-term interest rates higher for longer and hold off on cutting rates until mid-2024. You know, so an environment where rates remain higher for longer could also support the U.S. dollar, and that presents yet another headwind for China and other emerging markets in the near term. So we're shifting to a more negative outlook in the near term for the time being.
0: All right. Well, let's look at our last equity asset class, which would be India. What is the model telling us in terms of India's equity market at this point?
1: Yeah. Well, similar to the US, India's equity markets are benefiting from positive investor psychology and that market momentum so far in 2024. And even though our model research indicates India's equity market remains overvalued, you know, some exposure to Indian equities could be warranted. And if the outlook continues on this trend, we could see that increasing even further in the months ahead.
0: Great. All right. Let's shift then from the stock market to the bond market and look at the fixed income world. And what is our model looking at right now, particularly in terms of interest rates in the U.S. Treasury market? Yeah.
1: Well, as we mentioned, the bond market investors are struggling with when precisely the Fed may begin to cut short-term interest rates. Investors had been holding out hope that the Fed would begin to dial back short-term interest rates as soon as the next FOMC meeting in March. Uh, However, right, we know that Fed Chair Jay Powell threw cold water on that during his press conference following the most recent meeting and then later suggesting only three cuts this year rather than the previous market expectation of six cuts. So there's a bit of a gap there and there tends to usually be a gap at the turning points uh, for interest rate policy and the market tends to get it wrong typically. Uh, right. Our model research finds intermediate seven to 10 year US Treasuries at levels that make them somewhat attractive. So, some lengthening duration could be appropriate in the near term. You know, move to lengthened duration could also include uh, utilizing intermediate duration Treasury inflation protected securities or TIPS. You know, that said, given the risks that inflation may persist along with an ever increasing supply of government debt issuance, you know, we still do favor shorter maturities. You may be a heavier bias to shorter maturities, which provide attractive yields.
0: Great. What about the corporate bond market or or the credit markets?
1: So, you know, the inversion of the, not not a lot new to report here, but the inversion of the US yield curve, you know, does continue to signal the the risk of that potential economic slowdown, despite us talking about the equity markets rallying up to new highs. And this just isn't presently reflected in the, the corporate credit spreads, which are very tight and offering a less attractive risk reward profile presently, particularly as compared to treasuries. So we still remain cautious here.
0: All right, so you're really not getting paid to 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 take the risk of uh, going into the corporate market.
1: That's right. That's
0: right. All right. Let's shift gears once again. Let's look at real assets that would include gold and commodities. And why don't we start with gold? What is the market seeing there?
1: Yeah, well, we talked about this probably last month. Um, the price of gold rallied along with other asset classes in the, the, the final couple months of last year. They reached an all-time high uh, price in late December and finished 2023 with a gain of around 13%. And you know what's interesting? I'm sure we touched on this last time too, but it's 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 still it's still interesting. Gold increased in value last year despite rising real yields, and that just usually isn't the case. They usually move in opposite directions. Mm-hmm. Uh, gold remained an attractive asset class likely last year because of, we saw significant buying by foreign central banks, probably seeking to become less dependent on the U.S. dollar. As well as due to the heightened geopolitical risks, which there seems to be no shortage of these days, right. Um, right. you know our longer-term outlook does remain positive towards gold. It could serve as a better hedge than bonds against a, an equity market drawdown uh, during maybe a stagflationary environment, should that manifest. And as we know, gold can just serve as that hedge in in a you know continued heightened environment with with ongoing geopolitical risks around the globe.
0: Excellent. Now we'll look at commodities and and commodities one of the few asset classes that actually didn't have a very good 2023 i guess primarily because of the price of oil but what is the model saying now about the outlook for commodities
1: yeah it remains pretty negative here um uh, the model research uh, the outlook you know this is negative investor sentiment in in china in particular that continues to negatively impact our commodities outlook since there's a connection there and you know should the middle east continue to draw more countries into the war and supply routes get significantly impacted, then no doubt we would likely see a shock or a boost in, the oil, in oil prices in the near term. So that, that certainly remains uh, a risk, an upside risk of potential. But in the absence of that, uh, you know, not particularly attractive right now until we see more uh, global economic growth potential.
0: All right. Great. Eric, thank you. Thanks for providing the update from our most recent model outlook for the markets. Uh, certainly seems as though a great deal of investor intention will remain focused on the strength of the U.S. economy, our corporate earnings, the labor market, and inflation data, since these will probably be the critical factors that will affect when the Fed may begin to cut short-term interest rates. So that will do it for Eric and me for this month's edition of the Three Edge View from the Edge. But Eric and I will be back again in early March. Steve Kukaiaro and I will be back next week with the latest edition of the 3Edge Weekend Review. If you'd like a hard copy of this View from the Edge newsletter for February, you will find that on our website at 3 And as a reminder, our entire library of video content is always available on our 3Edge YouTube channel. If you think someone you know may benefit from our videos, please feel free to share them. So on behalf of Eric and everyone here at 3Edge, thanks for listening. This commentary is intended for information purposes only and does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy securities. The opinions expressed in View from the Edge are those of Mr. Foltz and Mr. Beagleisen and are subject to change without notice in reaction to shifting market conditions. This commentary is not intended to provide personal investment advice and does not take into account the unique investment objectives and financial situation of the listener. Investors should only seek investment advice from their financial advisor. The observations include information from sources that 3Edge believes to be reliable, but the accuracy of such information cannot be guaranteed. Investments, including common stocks, fixed income, commodities, and ETFs all involve a risk of loss that investors should be prepared to bear.